You're tuned in to the thinking out loud radio show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you. Featuring author, speaker, and minister. Michael Nimmons. We had a tremendous, tremendous back-to-school virtual community forum on yesterday. Maybe some people in those politics put it out there, maybe, maybe, but it's just wild. So, but we got to encourage, we got to support, we got to love. A lot of people's love bank is bankrupt. So we got to love and we got to help provide. We got to, and that's, in the service learning district, that's part of what we do is we embrace and we love and we help and we support constantly. And from that, I mean, we've had people leave us and come back because they know one thing you're going to get in the service learning district is we're going to service you. We're going to love you because service is part of what we do. It's time. 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 Fifty-eight years ago, on August the 28th, 1963, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. stood at the steps of the Lincoln Memorial and delivered his famous I Have a Dream speech. Fifty-eight years later, Dr. Reverend Al Sharpton and many other leaders converged on Washington, D.C. for the March for Voting Rights. I want to share with you some of the sights and sounds of this powerful march that took place on August 28th, 2021. Take a listen. We had to fight Strom Thurmond and had to fight Talmadge. We in Washington, you may have on a suit and tie, but we fight the same dogs. We know who you are. Because our older brothers and sisters and our mothers and fathers dealt with you and we're going to deal with you the same way. Up, you mighty race. Stand up and fight back. Don't you get tired. Don't you get weary. We can win. We always won if we kept God on our side. Thank you. May God bless Hello and welcome to another edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And I'm your host, author, motivational speaker, and minister, Michael Nimitz. You're tuned in to the show. It's giving voice to issues that matter to you. I want to welcome you to another brand new Tuesday edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show, guys. And we're so very happy that you've taken some time out of your day to spend it right here with us on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We very 
very much appreciated. We hope you guys had a wonderful weekend. Uh, just wanted to uh, talk a little bit about uh, the 58th anniversary of the March on Washington that was commemorated on August the 28th uh, this past Saturday by the uh, uh, the National Action Network and Dr. Reverend Dr. Uh, Al Sharpton and Martin Luther King III and many, many others that converged on the Capitol in Washington, D.C. It was called the March for Voting Rights and um, very, very, <clears throat> very powerful march. I uh, wanted to, I watched a little bit of, of it on C-SPAN and uh, it was definitely needed, a march that uh uh, focused on voting rights for African Americans <clears throat> and the passage of the John Lewis uh, Voting Rights Act <clears throat> that was passed in the House and now is uh, waiting to be taken up in the Senate. And this march here was uh, designed to draw attention to this particular voting rights bill that needs to be passed. It's also the um, the For the People, uh, the For the People Act, of course, the George Floyd Policing Act that's also up uh, that needs to be uh, taken up by uh, both the House and the Senate. And so these are very important bills that need to be passed. And this March uh, highlighted and focused on these bills and put the ball squarely in the Senate's court to do what needs to be done. And that is to pass these this legislation so that vote uh, that black people around the country uh, would be able to uh, have equality in voting. And of course, it would elevate uh, voting rights to the federal level instead of it being a matter of the states, because right now uh, it is basically up to the states to decide who who gets to vote. And who doesn't? And that is what we're up against around the country. I believe it's somewhere around 49 states that have uh, changed their legislation uh, that uh, is now uh, or changing their voting legislation to infringe on the voting rights of African-Americans. And they, they're doing so because of uh, the overwhelming turnout uh, that happened back in November of 2021. And that was the catalyst for uh, the different changes that have been made in legislation, <clears throat> legislatures around the country. And so this march uh, was uh, very, very important because, again, the federal government needs to step in and to take the voting rights uh, out of the hands of the state and make it a national issue, a national, um, a, a, a national uh, policy, <clears throat> make it national legislation, rather, that states would have to adhere to. And they could not change those voting rights uh, to to meet their own you know, particular agendas, their own private or even public agenda. So this is where we are. And, you know, one of my observations of this particular march, you know, of course, you had Dr. Re Reverend Dr. 
Al Sharpton and Martin Luther King III, who we definitely had the privilege of interviewing on this show. If you missed that podcast, you certainly can go back to our archives of over 200 episodes and you can listen to uh, the master class that he taught uh, on, on black history back in February of this year. So we had a great opportunity to talk to the global advocate Martin Luther King III, and he was definitely one of the speakers for this event, Miss Latasha Brown and many others uh, spoke uh, on uh, during this momentous occasion commemorating the anniversary of the uh, uh, the 58 years of the March on Washington led by iconic legendary leader Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, but you know, one person or actually two people that were missing from uh, this event who I believe would have really, uh, you know, made a major difference and impact on, uh, you know, the setting the agenda and uh, is, you know, would really <clears throat> uh, their voices would really resonate with uh, the people there at this particular march and that is former president Barack Obama and former first lady Michelle Obama and they were uh, surprisingly absent from uh, this particular event and you know I, I, I was very disappointed to hear that they were not going to be a part of it where actually it was not mentioned uh, publicly that they were not going to be there but you could definitely see that they were not there. They were absent from uh, this type of event. And, and to be fair, uh, they were. These are not the kinds of marches that they normally participate in. Uh, you know, uh, Reverend Doctor Al Sharpton mentioned that you know they've had these types of marches in Washington uh, almost on an annual basis and. Uh, former President Barack Obama and Michelle Obama both, you know, did not participate in those. Uh, that was not something that he said, but they don't normally participate in those types of events. Uh, and I, I do find it disappointing, though, that they they don't participate because you know these types of events elected officials are a part of you see senators and congressmen uh you know participating uh in in these types of marches because you know politics and civil rights uh do intersect and i i think you know to have two of the you know most powerful and influential voices in our community in the person of former President Barack Obama and his former first lady and wife, Michelle Obama, uh, you know, on that stage uh, talking about the importance of passing the John Lewis Voting Rights Act and the For the People Act and the George Floyd Policing Act, you know, having those voices uh, added to uh, the a collection of voices, I think, would make a world of difference in getting influence and in getting the right ears that we need in the Senate to pass 
these uh, very important uh, legislative bills. And so, you know, I, I you don't hear the disappointment from these leaders on those stages. You don't hear Reverend Al and, and Martin Luther King and, and others talking about their absence publicly. And I thought about it. And the reason, I think, is because they don't want to disparage the names or discredit the names of our community's, you know, biggest leaders or most powerful leaders. Uh, it does. It serves no purpose, I think. Uh, but I, I guarantee you that in in you know in private in 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 <clears throat> in their in their private conversations uh you know their names are brought up and they're talked about and and probably in 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 ways that I'm mentioning even right now that you know the fact that they're not a part of these uh events and part of these marches being you know, uh, two of the biggest voices in our community uh, politically, I think, does uh, a major disservice. Having the first black president of the United States a part of the 58th anniversary of the I Have a Dream speech, the March on Washington, uh, you know, that I, I think is a big deal. And him not being there is a big deal. Uh, and if you asked any of those leaders privately, I'm sure they would share those same sentiments. And so I just thought I would mention it because I know how significant it would be if they were added to the collection of voices uh, that uh, are calling for equality in voting rights in this country and how <clears throat> how 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 influential their presence would be and how meaningful it would be for for them to be seen by the millions of African Americans who voted for them back in 2008 and who voted again back in 2012 to make sure that he was not a one-term president but that he was a two-term president. And and so their absence, in my mind, was noticeable and, uh, I think, consequential. So I'd love to know what your thoughts are about it. I Even thinking of sharing this in our live on Tuesday uh, evening at 9 p.m. on the after show. So I'm looking forward to getting your thoughts and feedback about that as well. We had a tremendous, tremendous back-to-school virtual community forum on yesterday. I'm telling you guys, if you missed it, you really missed it. We had a wonderful time. It was an informative and very insightful uh, discussion about the return of our students to in-person learning in the midst of a pandemic. We had educators from the private sector, the public sector, and the charter school sector, a part of 
this very worthwhile event uh, that took place streamed from our Thinking Out Loud Facebook fan page, Thinking Out Loud Facebook fan page, Thinking Out Loud Radio and TV Show Facebook fan page. Facebook.com forward slash Thinking Out Loud HQ is the fan page. We encourage you to like and uh, and to share this link on our Thinking Out Loud radio and TV show fan page. The video is still there. Uh, we also plan to share part one of this worthwhile pod, a worthwhile event during our show on tonight. So that those of you who might have missed it, you are certainly welcome and in for a treat because we're going to be sharing with you part one of this event uh, in this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio and TV show. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you guys, I just cannot say how thankful and grateful I am for those individuals who were a part of it. I want to give a special shout out to Maurice Evans, who is the CEO of Elite uh, School uh, management. He's also the founding member, or one of the founding members of the Detroit Service Learning Academy. Uh, we had the superintendent from the Detroit Service Learning Academy, Dr. D'Angelo Alexander, on with us as well. Uh, we also had uh, the new uh, principal at Martin Luther King High School. My good friend Damian Perry was on with us. Uh, he was. He also is the former principal at Mumford High School, my alma mater right here in the city of Detroit. He was a part of that forum on yesterday. Uh, we also want to give a special shout out to uh, my good friend and uh, attorney who is also the board, the president of the Detroit, I'm sorry, the David Ellis Academy West Board of Directors, my good friend Aaron Burrell. He was on the call with us as well. And also a part of the call, we had a very good friend of ours, administrator of school operations at David Ellis Academy, Detroit, and that is Miss Kenya Hildreth. She was also on the call with us as well. And it was a very, as I said, informative and insightful uh, discussion about the return to in-person learning, uh, you know, and um, for our children who have been out of the buildings for over a year now. And I think it was a very uh, important discussion to have because I know many parents uh, that were watching and are even listening to this podcast right now have concerns about their children returning to in-person learning and rightfully so uh, their concerns have merit and they have value and that's why we thought it was very important to have this type of forum because you're not getting this information all the time and many times you're getting misinformation on the internet you're getting uh, you know you're getting information coming from all different directions and so we thought it was great to have one uh, forum where we could Pull as many leaders as we could together at one time. We plan to have another one of these as well, uh, possibly in October or November, to kind of the uh, to kind of give you an update on where we are with in-person learning for our young people. Uh, these types of forums are so so very important. I think it's important to hear directly from the experts, directly from those who are, uh, you know. Uh, 
in the thick of it and in the line of fire and they are doing their due diligence to make sure that our young people are returning to in-person learning in a safe and a healthy environment and our hats are off to each and every one of them as we said in during the uh, event on yesterday uh, I believe that they are the heroes they the, they are the, the first line workers that you know uh, are, are, are that we many times take for granted the educators the administrators the ones that have to do the dirty work the ones that have to do uh, the job that many of us don't want and that is educating our young people and to add to, to that educating today's youth in the midst of a global pandemic and that in and of itself is very very challenging I'm sure and they talked about that in great detail we're going to again be sharing with you part one of this worthwhile event in this edition of the thinking out loud radio show In addition to the form, uh, part one of the form that we plan to share with you uh, during this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio and TV show, we want to give you a special, special thought of the week uh, coming from some of the speakers that spoke during the 58th anniversary of the March on Washington. We want to share with you just a few excerpts of uh, the sights and sounds of this particular March and there was there was a great amalgamation of speakers that spoke uh, over this past weekend uh, in Washington D.C. Young and old, and what was most impressive to me was the collection of youth speakers from the National Action Network that spoke. Activists from all different ages and backgrounds that spoke about the importance of voting rights and having equality and justice uh, amongst our people. And I want to share with you some of those voices as a part of this week's thought of the week. Well, needless to say, guys, we have got a great show in store for you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Your support helps us to increase our exposure across the world wide web. And remember to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TOL Radio Host MSN and like our Thinking Out Loud radio and TV Facebook fan page at facebook.com forward slash Thinking Out Loud. HQ. Also, also stop by our Thinking Out Loud TV YouTube channel as well. We got videos there from interviews that we've done with individuals like global advocate Martin Luther King III, uh, intellectual luminary Pastor Dr. Frederick Douglass Haynes III, and many, many others. So guys, check out our Thinking Out Loud radio and TV YouTube channel. That's youtube.com forward slash thinking out loud TV. Check that out. And if you forget all of that, you can just go right to our uh, ministry website, michaelnemons.com, and there you'll see everything. Our blog, you'll see videos, you'll be able to listen to our podcast, and much more. michaelnemons.com is where you need to be. 
Well, guys, we're getting ready to take our first break of the night. But when we come back, we're jumping right into part one of this powerful and insightful discussion we had about our children's return to in-person learning. We're calling Back to School Virtual Community Event. You don't want to go anywhere. You're tuned in to one of the hottest radio shows online. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. Hello, my name is Maya Nimmons, and I want you to listen to my dad, Michael Nimmons, on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Every Tuesday at 8 p.m., available everywhere you listen to your podcast. And now, available on the Detroit Praise Network website. You better listen to that little girl, the Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. Stephanie D. Sanders, award-winning singer, songwriter, author, voiceover artist, and more. Heard on shows like the Time Join the Morning Show and the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Book Stephanie D. Sanders to voice over your podcast or radio intros or commercials. Do yourself a favor and visit stephaniedsanders.com and upgrade your podcast or radio show by booking Stephanie D. Sanders. You'll definitely be glad that you did it. Refined, rebranded, reinvented, reinvigorated, revived. The new MichaelNimmons.com website is finally here. And believe me, it's worth the wait. A state-of-the-art website where you can listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show podcast, watch Thinking Out Loud TV, read the Thinking Out Loud blog, purchase books and swag, and so much more. Subscribe today and get a free gift on us. Stop by the new MichaelNimmons.com. It is sure to be a thought provoking working experience. Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were insufficient? Who told you that you were a loser? Who told you that you were a failure? Who told you that you were deficient? Who told you that you were nothing? Who told you that you were worthless? Who told you that you had no value? Who told you that you were you naked? To believe? Who told you that you were naked? It's a dynamic, empowering, and inspiring book about identity that is a definite must-have. Pastor Nimmons talks about an identity crisis that dates as far back as the Garden of Eden. You don't want to miss these powerful insights into not just the problem of this identity crisis, but the discovery of the spiritual solution. Get your copy now, available on Amazon for just $14.95, or by visiting michaelnemons.com. Like a victim when you are already victorious. Emmy Award-winning journalist, Jimmy O'Hill. I have to ask ourselves, how is it that we're trying to allegedly reach racial harmony, but we want to have celebrations of racist things all the time? Again, we can't have unity unless we agree that something's bad. And we sound even more foolish by saying, 
oh no, but we changed the meaning. Okay, they could say the same thing in Germany about a lot of things, but you don't see it because they knew in order for real healing to take place, they had to disavow all that stuff, which is why they paid reparations to the descendants of the Jews that were killed in our that's why they did it. Apologies don't work unless you put some level of action behind it. It's my really long-winded way of saying that when I think about the national anthem, it doesn't represent everybody. Mark Cuban knew it. He talked about it. That's why they stopped doing it. And you know what? They didn't do it for 13 games and no one noticed. We bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the thinking out loud radio show in need of a logo design for your business then check out dm designs need flyers t-shirts business cards or website for your business then check out dm designs the people at dm designs will get you right for your next business venture they're professional and courteous, and they get the job done right every time. Check out the team at DM Designs. Give them a call today at 734-219-5266. DM Designs, bringing your imagination to life. You're tuned in to the Out Loud Radio Show. Keep it locked, keep it locked, keep it locked. I want to welcome all of you that are watching and even listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio and TV show podcast to uh, what we're calling the Back to School Virtual Community Forum. Uh, Today is Monday, August the 30th. And uh, we'll be on uh, talking about re- our students returning to school in person. I want to welcome you to uh, what I think is going to be a very worthwhile discussion. We have some great individuals on our panel on today. Very excited about them being with us and uh, want to give them a proper introduction. So uh, we are we have the superintendent of Detroit Service Learning Academy D'Angelo Alexander with us. So very happy to have him on the call. D'Angelo, uh, let, let the people know who you are and uh, share with us why you're a part of this forum today. Wonderful. Uh, good evening, everyone. Uh, yeah, I'm D'Angelo Alexander, uh, superintendent of the Service Learning District, uh, serving uh, Redford Service Learning Academy, Oak Park Service Learning Academy, and Detroit Service Learning Academy where we're celebrating over 21 years of uh, providing academic services to our students and the community. Uh, I'm excited. I know there's a lot going on. There's some reservations. Um, There's a lot of questions uh, about this uh, uh, pandemic that we're currently in. Um, A lot of people thought it was nearly over, and then we had the Delta variants, and I understand there may be some other variants following. Nonetheless, uh, we've been successful. with uh, providing certain restraints, um, protection, uh, creating a healthy, safe learning environment, whether it be uh, virtual, online, hybrid. Uh, We're doing a little bit of everything. Uh, My whole thing is, you know, we want to give the people what they want and what they need. 
Um, in some cases, we have to make some hard decisions that may not be uh, totally comfortable uh, for some of our parents, but it is definitely the safest thing because if we can't live, if we don't have life, we cannot learn. So we have to take care of the, protect the life first. So I'm excited uh, to have this conversation and to be on with such esteemed panelists that I see before me in this zoomity zoom zoom zoom. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, this has become the new norm, the 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 zoom meetings, and I'm sure. Many of you that are uh, on the call, everybody that's on the call has become very used to having Zoom meetings, and uh, we've kind of gotten out of the in-person uh, environments that we're used to being in. But um, they seem to be they seem to be working out fairly well for us. But again, I thank you, uh, Superintendent Alexander, for being with us. We share your sentiments, and uh, can't wait to jump into uh, this forum. Uh, with you in just a little bit. Next on the docket uh, is another very distinguished gentleman, good friend of ours. Um, he is the president of David Ellis Academy, the uh, president of the board, the, uh, the president of the board of directors for David Ellis Academy West uh, campus, and he's an attorney at Dick, Dickinson, right? Those are just a few, uh, just a couple of his credentials, but he's also a good friend of ours. I want to introduce my good friend, Aaron Burrell, uh, to the Back to School Virtual Community Forum. Welcome to uh, the Thinking Out Loud radio and TV show podcast. Aaron. Thanks, Mike, and a good evening, everybody. Always happy to join you, sir, and always happy to participate in these very, very important discussions involving our community members. Uh, you know, as you noted, I'm a lawyer by trade, but I'm, I think I'm here because I work for Kenya uh, at the, the David Ellis Academy West <laughs> as the president of the board there. I've been honored to serve in that capacity uh, for, I think, coming on the last maybe five or four or five years now, I've been the president of the board there. Uh, so it's, you know, it's been a, it's been a, certainly a very challenging time, very interesting time, unique time at the school. Uh, we have an outstanding management team, uh, and we have, uh, great administrators who have been frankly doing a yeoman's job of, of navigating all of the, um, you know, inconsistencies and policies and challenges and multiple directions we're getting from government agencies. And doing a great, great job, uh, just making sure our kids uh, continue to receive an excellent education. And, and Mike may not mention that he is also on the board. I think it's, uh, it's appropriate for full disclosure that we note that as well. Right. Uh, so no, Mike has been making an excellent contribution to the board, uh, since he joined. And ultimately, you know, we're trying to make sure that our kids get the best possible education, notwithstanding the, the challenges we're facing today. So happy to be here. Looking forward to a great discussion. Absolutely. And, and Aaron is being modest. He's talking about me, but I mean, this is one of probably 10 boards that, that, uh, <laughs> that he sits on, not just as a member, but, uh, as president. I mean, this guy is just doing some tremendous things. And, uh, if you're able to, if you're able to get his time for at, at any point, uh, you're doing, uh, you're doing a great thing, I think. To be able to just be, uh, just be able to say that he's a part of what you're doing. So I feel, uh, very humbled and privileged myself to, uh, to have, uh, this distinguished gentleman as a part of the Thinking Out Loud, uh, radio 
and TV show podcasts. Like I, I'm a, I'm a serial volunteer. I have a hard time <laughs> saying that. Generally, but, but when you call me, sir, I definitely cannot say no under any condition. So happy to be here. <laughs> oh, uh, that makes me feel, that makes me feel very special. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, continuing with our introductions. Um, we also have another distinguished gentleman who I've had the pleasure of knowing for a few years now. He was the former uh, principal at Mumford High School, but now he's been uh, transitioned over to Martin Luther King High School. Uh, I want to introduce to our Thinking Out Loud radio and TV show podcast listeners. He's been on the show with uh, the principal from Renaissance, uh, Veranda Strader, uh, on one of our shows earlier uh, this earlier last year, I should say. And uh, unfortunately, Principal Strader was not able to be with us on this particular form, but she's promising to be with us uh, on the next one. So uh, I want to introduce again a distinguished gentleman, the principal of Martin Luther King High School, new principal at, Mar- at Martin Luther King High School, Damon Perry. Welcome to the Thinking Out Loud radio and TV show podcast, Mr. Perry. Uh, first of all, thank you so much uh, for having me uh, to uh, this distinguished group of panelists. I'm like Paul. You know, I am the least of all. The- <laughs> I'm just glad to be included uh, in this number and, and, and hear some of the other great uh, things that you're doing at your institutions and schools as well. Uh, my name is Damian Perry, the proud principal of uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Senior High School, where I actually graduated. Uh, I celebrate 16 years as a principal um, uh, and excited uh, about uh, the things that are going to happen at Martin Luther King, but not only at the things that are going to happen at King, but the things that are going to happen across our city uh, for kids. Uh, once again, at the end of the day, as long as kids are better, uh, let it be public, charter, or private, I, I support education. I've had the opportunity of literally working in all of those venues, um, and I can say that they're good charter, they're bad charter. They're good public, they're bad public. There's good char- private, and there's bad private. Uh, so uh, I am a proponent of kids. I'm a proponent of ensuring that uh, our students have nothing but the very best. Uh, so I have an open door policy to my charter school brothers and sisters. Uh, I want your kids to attend Martin Luther King High School. Uh, to, uh, to our charter school brothers and sisters, if there are students that are looking for a good school and you are in that neighborhood, I'm going to refer you. Uh, so, uh, once again, thank you so much, Mr. Nimmons, for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to hear some of the great ideas, uh, that this, uh, great panel has. And I'm excited to share, uh, some of the great things that we're doing, uh, not only at Martin Luther King Jr. Senior High School, but the things that we're doing in this district, the uh, leadership of our phenomenal superintendent, Dr. Nikolai. Uh, so that's where we are. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Perry. I appreciate you being with us. And again, um, this was, uh, well, uh, we're very happy for him to be here, but uh, I failed to mention that this was uh, sort of his idea. Him and I talked um, about a month or a month and a half ago, and uh, he gave me the idea and said, man, you know what? You should probably have a a uh, a back to school forum 
uh, because our young people are returning to school in person. I'm sure parents might have questions and and might need answers. They have concerns. And I said, man, that sounds like an awesome, awesome idea. And it took some while, took a while for us to kind of pull things together because we were having some uh, work obligations and other things that came up. And of course, he made a transition from Mumford to Martin Luther King. But I thank him for uh, sticking with us and still being able to uh, join us in the midst of that transition because I'm sure there were a lot of things going on, work commitments and that things like that that he had to be involved in that pulled him away uh, from the planning uh, for something like this. Well, thank you so much, sir, for being with us. And uh, last but certainly not least on my list, well, at least for right now, still waiting for one more panelist to join, but uh, we also have a very a distinguished young lady with us, someone that I work with uh, uh, in several uh, different areas and avenues and very happy that uh, she has uh, decided to be a part of this. She wears several hats, several different hats, and uh, this is just one of many hats that uh, she wears, and she is an administrator, the administrator of school operations at David Ellis Academy East Campus, formerly Greater Grace Temple Christian Academy, where I used to be a student there way, way back in the day. I won't go into that, but nevertheless, I want to introduce to our Thinking Out Loud radio and TV show podcast listeners, uh, the, the administrator of school operations at David Ellis Academy East Campus, Kenya Hildreth. Welcome to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Hello, and thank you. And I think I feel like I'm in a barbershop and I'm just eavesdropping with all the gentlemen. (laughs) I think that's why I'm there. But I appreciate the opportunity to share what's going on in the schools. And um, I work with compliance with the Barwell Group, the management company as well. So from a compliance perspective and administrative uh, perspective, this whole pandemic and the whole um, back to school, um, the strategies that we have to use in order to make sure the students are safe has just been a challenge. So I thank you for this forum and the ability to share information with each other and with um, everyone that's going on so that there are no assumptions and um, we can share best practices. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, we're so happy to have You're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with Pastor Michael Nimmons. Don't you dare touch that dial. Global advocate Martin Luther King III. So I I think the future is is the, the best probably is yet to come, particularly coming out of this phase right now, coming out of, you know, the last four years of being dark and desolate. I mean, the last four years, theoretically, could cause, uh, have caused people to, to have lost faith, particularly if, if Trump had won. I think our, we wouldn't have a democracy if this man had been reelected. We bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the Thinking Out Loud radio show.
Congratulations to Pastor Michael Nimmons for over 20,000 streams and downloads. Rate, review, and subscribe to the Thinking Out Loud radio show podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and MichaelNimmons.com. Tune in today. The Thinking Out Loud radio show giving voice to issues that matter to you. The people have spoken. From Minneapolis, Minnesota, to London, England, from New Zealand to New York City. Black Lives Matter and I Can't Breathe are the sentiment of people around the world. Dr. King was right. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We must do everything we can to continue to march, protest, and rally for justice. Let us march on until victory is won. An important message from the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Thinking Out Loud swag is here. T-shirts, polos, hoodies, letterman's jackets, and even face masks. All priced affordably and in a variety of colors and sizes. Just visit michaelnimmons.com to purchase your favorite Thinking Out Loud radio show swag. Get yours today and rep the show out loud. As our students, not just here in Michigan, but across the country, have um, either returned to in-person learning or are preparing to return to in-person learning in the midst of this global pandemic uh, that is still yet going on, we thought it was a good idea for us to come together as a community of educators, administrators, uh, professionals, and parents and have a discussion about our young people's health, well-being, and their safety. We believe that our young people uh, is our first and foremost concern during this pandemic, and we have gathered together leaders from across the Detroit metropolitan area and the state to convene what we're calling a back-to-school virtual community forum where they will be directly addressing our children's health and safety in the classroom. What preparations have they made and are making uh, for their safe return to in-person learning? And so today, uh, we'll con- we'll, we'll, uh, today's forum rather will consist of three rounds of questions uh, from myself uh, we, if we have any from the public, we will entertain those as well. And, um, you know, each individual will have an opportunity to uh, answer questions and to 
uh, share information about the preparations that they're making and have made uh, to uh, for our students to return to in-person learning. And we're calling this this back to school uh, community virtual community forum, uh, educating today's youth uh, in the midst of a pandemic. And I'm sure those that are on uh, the panel today uh, have uh, much to say about the preparations that they've made and even some of the challenges that they face uh, trying to uh, put things together to make sure that our young people are being properly educated in the midst of this pandemic. And so um, I want to jump right into the first question that we have. Uh, if someone that's on the panel can uh, can share with us and put into proper perspective the enormous tasks that it has been creating, drafting, and implementing an appropriate response plan for this COVID-19 global pandemic for the students of your respective educational institutions. We have public, private, and charter schools that are on with us. What are some of the challenges that you faced uh, in preparing for not just in-person return, but even the virtual learning uh, as well? Because I'm sure you know, there were some challenges with the, the turnaround time uh, where the state, uh, you know, shut things down and you had to really uh, uh, put things together on the fly. So if somebody can put into proper perspective the enormous task that it has been, and I'm sure it's been a yeoman's task, creating, drafting and implementing an appropriate response plan for this COVID-19 global pandemic for students of your respective institutions to return, whether it be in virtual or in-person learning? I'll start. I think initially um, we all were in a place where we thought it was temporary. So mm. we planned for two weeks, a month. What does that look like in during this, in this temporary space? So right. we were able to quickly pivot and, and, put some things in place and, you know, we had conversations. Is it going to last past spring break? Is it going to, you know, what can we do in this temporary time? So I think initially that was the first thing is, okay, let's print out some packets. Let's get some, you know, put, give them some assignments to do because it's going to be like a long break. So initially that was our first um, and then once we saw that this was going to be more long term, we had to make some adjustments and think long term. We saw that many of our students didn't have computers at home. Some of them don't have Internet at home. So we had to use our resources and try to um, think of ways that we can assist them and support them as best we can. But also, as an administrator, it was very difficult because you're thinking about public health, you're thinking about the needs of the students, you're thinking about our teachers. Our teachers were not taught how to teach virtually. Mm -hmm. um, so you have all these groups that are pulling on us. You want to meet the needs of the students, but you got the parents, you got the teachers, you got all these different stakeholders who are have different opinions, who have, you know, different priorities. And we had to all pull it, pull it together and, and try to do what was best for the students ultimately. Yeah, that was well put. Um, uh, to add to what Miss um, Hildreth said, it was new to everyone. So 
the way I sums it up, sum it up is everyone became a first year teacher all of a sudden, mm. uh, learning all over again. And um, um, we uh, fear was a big thing, and um, and not to say I wasn't scared. I mean, I I've learned a lot a long time ago that you know false evidence appearing real. You know, you 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 have to face your fears, but this this fear was. Uh, ultimate death, and you didn't know how what it looked like, what it, where it's coming from, or how it's how it's happening. There was so many wonders. Nonetheless, you had to step up and lead because that's what leaders do. You mm-hmm. had to step up and be the captain of your ship. And and the number one rule with being the captain of the ship is everyone must know where the leader is and what the leader is thinking or and how he is feeling about the situation. In essence, I would imagine everyone on here had to remain calm. Even though we were tripping on the inside, we couldn't show that. We had to remain calm and give leadership, give direction. Um, and and it, um, it made, I think it made us, like I said, we all were first-year educators. It made us use our brain in ways we were not expecting we would ever have to use them. Um, and so we had to think out of the box. Um, uh, everyone didn't have technology at home. Uh, all of our staff didn't have technology at home. So we started to communicate with everyone. Um, and it really started with wellness checks, constant wellness checks. We had a, a, a phone tree to see if everyone was okay and uh, how are they doing. And then after we did the phone tree with our staff, we had our staff do a phone tree with their students and their parents to check mm. on them how they are doing. So the first thing was life. Mm. After we after we got that under control uh, a little bit, we never were in control, but we had a feeling that most of our people were okay. Um, most of them were safe. Um, then we started uh, thinking about our students not eating because we serve a population of 99% free and reduced. So we started to care about how can we take care of their some of their needs. So we set up the uh, food dis- distribution. Um, and the way we did that, we uh, had our buses take food to the bus stops. And we committed, we used Dojo. Dojo was heavily um, uh, used before we had maybe about 60% of our population utilizing Dojo, we went from 60% to 100%. It became one of the number one ways to communicate with our students and parents. Um, and, um, and of course, then we started thinking about learning. And the state put something out that I, I sort of wish they wouldn't have done it. Um, they said right off the bat immediately, whatever they do, it doesn't matter. It doesn't count. Um, the reason I wish they wouldn't have done that because when they made that statement, it sort of carried over into the next year where it did count. But they, uh, a lot of our parents were still believing that, that original statement and they were hanging on that. And it was almost like they, they didn't want to waste their children's time by, by, um, making them log in or making them come to school or, or helping them learn. Um, they stopped parenting. Um, mm. and in some cases they stopped parenting because they caught the COVID, and unfortunately, all of them didn't survive. So you talk about fear uh, and 
it was a scary movie, man. It was a, we were living a scary movie because we didn't know. And I, I imagine everyone was tuned in to CNN, MSNBC, and, and even Fox at times, you know, to try and find out what's going on a regular basis. But back to the point at hand, everyone was uh, new. And so, every, and, and what happens when you have a new teacher? Everyone wants to help that teacher. So the good thing that happened is I believe that my staff bonded and became even more concerned with the health and welfare of each other. And they started to help each other and communicate with each other in a, in a nice and better way. And so uh, I think the staff became solid um, from the pandemic, you know, and, and that's what happens under stressful situations. Either people fight or flight. And I like to think that um, our staff fought and hung in there. That's awesome. That is an awesome uh, account of what uh, the efforts that went into uh, in-person learning uh, from the Detroit Service uh, Learning Academy. Anyone else want to share? All right. Well, and I'm sorry. I apologize. Um, I, I just wanted to say one of the things I think that we need to be very, very clear on, uh, none of us, and I know no one is saying this, but for our parents and persons that are listening, none of us have all of the answers. Uh, there's so much that is, um, you know, even in our staff meeting today and, and working with families, um, they're, they're the very definitive questions that, quite honestly, you have a right to know. But this new variant situation within our country that is happening, these decisions or these problems and issues are literally popping up real time. So one of the things that I think that we need to operate in, we need to operate in a higher level of grace and understanding for our schools. First of all, understanding that our primary mission and goal is going to be to keep their child safe. Every person within the Detroit Public Schools Community District, every person within every charter private institution that is on this call is first of all concerned that your student receives nothing but the very best. But I also think we need to, you know, allow schools an ounce of grace, an ounce of understanding, and that there are going to be some questions that we don't know. Um, and, and, you know, so bear with us through this season. Um, you know, from a school leader standpoint, it's very, very difficult because there are things that are literally happening as we speak. Uh, so, um, uh, we're working through those processes. We're working through within our district that every student will be tested weekly. We're working through that, that every teacher will be tested weekly. We're working through that. So there are going to be questions that you uh, inexplicably or, or naturally would have that we're not going to be able to have the answer. But as parents, if you can work with us and really understand that everybody on this call, not just DPSCD, is invested in your child and invested in them being the best and brightest Detroiters uh, possible, know that we are working through these issues. Because we all want face-to-face instruction. We all want our kids to be in front of us and learning and interacting with teachers and all that kind of great stuff. But we also need a, 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 a ounce 
of that grace and understanding as we really move forward and really uh, answer uh, the call and really step up to ensure that our students receive those things. So that's just where we are. And I, I completely agree. I, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't want to interrupt anyone. Someone else want to say something? Yeah, what I want, I was, the question that you asked was about the plan. And that plan for us, um, is, uh, updated monthly. It's updated daily, but it's approved by the board monthly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, if you repeat your question so I can, no, no, I think we might have lost a little bit. If you could repeat that question. Oh, it was, it was really again, just put in perspective the, the, the enormous tasks of, of drafting and, uh, creating and implementing, uh, a plan of action in response to this global pandemic, COVID-19, whether it was virtual or in person. Now that we're moving into that in-person phase, you know, the, the question really is to just demonstrate to those parents that might be listening uh, to the podcast or even viewing uh, this particular uh, forum, you know, the enormity of the task that was laid at the laps of those who are educators, administrators, and the like uh, to, uh, to, to really put something together. And it looked like on the fly, it would very little time to be able to adapt and you had to pivot, uh, like Ken, uh, Kenya Hildred said earlier. Um, and, and, and so that's, that's really the heart of the question. Right. And so uh, actually, I thought you, was, uh, there is a specific plan and I think all of us have to, um, update it and keep in tune with Wayne County expectations, mm-hmm. um, uh, the city of Detroit expectations, um, COVID, um, not COVID, but the CDC's recommendations, not rules, but recommendations, right. uh, IOSHA expectations, the state uh, expectations, and then um, uh, Michigan Department of Education expectations. And, and to be honest, the tricky part is all of them are ne- are, are never, I want to say never, on the same. Okay. We have, so, so, so one can send a message uh saying that it's six feet distance. Another one can say recommend that it's three feet three distance. Feet distance. And, you, and you get a you get a parent that hears that one of them but doesn't understand that it's a recommendation and that the school or the district has the right to set their policy within those parameters. And so and you have staff members that are looking for ways to work from home versus coming in. I mean, so that plan is uh updated on a regular basis. I would say with us, it's, it's updated weekly because there are weekly meetings, but then monthly, we have a monthly board meeting, and that plan is approved monthly, um, mm-hmm. if that helps with, with the question that you Absolutely, have. it does. And I know you guys that are listening and watching uh, this particular forum are enjoying, I hope you are enjoying the discussion that we're having uh, for the Back to School uh, Virtual Community Forum uh, that uh, we have uh, convening right now, uh, streaming live from our Thinking Out Loud Facebook uh, radio and TV show Facebook fan page. And the great thing about this particular forum is that not only is it live, but it's also going to be available for you to listen to uh, during our podcast on Tuesdays, on this Tuesday when it airs on tomorrow, and we'll, and we'll have clips of it available uh, on our Thinking Out Loud radio and TV uh, YouTube channel. 
So uh, the information that uh, that is being disseminated right now, if you're not if you're not uh, available to hear it live, you also will be able to uh, listen to it on the podcast, and you'll be able to watch clips of it uh, on our Thinking Out Loud TV YouTube channel as well. So uh, we're covering all of our bases because this information is very important, and we want to make sure as many people as possible, and particularly parents. Are able to, um, to, 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 to get their questions answered and to hear directly from those who are, uh, have their sleeves rolled up and are working in the trenches. And I want to say this before we move to the next question. Our hats are off to each and every one of you that are on the panel and to all of you, uh, that are, uh, are co-laborers, uh, as educators, uh, in the midst of this pandemic. You are our first line heroes uh your role you have your sleeves rolled up and you're working directly with our young people and um our hats are definitely off to you we know it was not an easy job and it's still not an easy job and we thank you so very much for uh doing what you do every single day for our young people uh and so uh i just wanted to say that and make that very clear to those who may be watching or even listening on our podcast as we move to our next question, uh, the FDA has recently uh, approved the Pfizer vaccine. Uh, this just happened maybe uh, a week or so ago. And I want to find out from those that are on the panel, um, what do they believe the ultimate result of this uh, you know, approval of the Pfizer vaccine is going to be. What implications will it be for uh, employees of, uh, of of your particular educational institutions? Uh, some are saying mandatory vaccinations. Uh, I want to even know from you what is your perspective on mandatory vaccinations? Uh, and uh, I'll just open this question up to the floor to answer at this time. Okay, so um, right now in education, in the world of education, um, I would like to call this an employee's market. Mm. Uh, just like a couple months ago, it, it sort of dwindled a little bit. It was a seller's market with houses and how people were selling houses like hotcakes. Matter of fact, you, people were getting more than what they were requesting because houses were selling so well. Well, now in the world of education, and, and, and this is, uh, I do mean world, definitely in America, um, there's a shortage of teachers. Not only a shortage of teachers, there's a shortage of people to work in schools. So as you talk about a mandate, um, I'm careful with that here. Now, what we, because I don't want to, I'm not trying to run people away. I'm already, it's already hard to get find some people to work. Right. So I don't, I don't want to run anyone away. So the word mandate on with the testing. Now, if something happens, they will get a test. We have that part of our process. But the mandate for getting the vaccination, how we are approaching it is we are trying to incentivize the situation by awarding and rewarding staff for getting the vaccination. Um, that's what we are. That's the current role that we're trying to, uh, to uh, take the plan. That, and, and, and we've re awarded staff before the end of the year some checks. And uh, I believe if we can, we're going to come back and do it again. We, and a nice portion of people 
hadn't been vaccinated and went and got vaccinated so that they could receive that um, <laughs> that little stipend that we provided. Um, I say little because I don't know if we can ever pay educators what they're worth. Um, and, and when I say educator, um, I, I used to be selfish and just talk about teachers because I, I graduated in 1990 as a certified teacher, and I was really – if you ain't done it, then you ain't you ain't in it. You ain't in my club yet. But now I've learned, I've, I've matured, <laughs> and so now any and everyone that touches a child in a school setting, I consider an educator. From the people that work in food service, the custodial staff, the maintenance staff, our our, our front office, our front office administrative assistant staff, and, and of course our teachers and, and support. All everyone that can touch a child has the ability to change a child's life, I consider an educator. And so we're, we want to reward them for getting vaccinated. I do feel comfortable that we have a very high percentage vaccinated here, um, and I think it's going to increase. Um, and to the question, I'm not sure if most people even were aware that it had not been approved, mm-hmm. to be honest. Right. I think the, the average person on the street didn't even know that it hadn't that that we were using it under emergency constraints. Right. I, I I think that if some I bet it's very few people <laughs> that know that information, and so I don't think that's going to change anything. That's a good point. That's a good point. Anybody else? I'll jump in. Don't, 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 don't touch that dial. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. This is Michael Eric Dyson. And when I'm in Detroit, I listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show, dropping that knowledge, giving that inspiration, giving us that enlightenment. Nobody does it like Brother Michael does it. Do your thing. Holla. Peace. Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. Vision should be the next book you purchase. Written by radio host and minister Michael Nimmons. Vision is an insightful, thought-provoking book that is also a helpful tool in getting you to see your life through God's eyes. Vision Endorsed by best-selling authors Dr. Eddie Connor and Kim Brooks and mega-pastor Bishop Charles H. Ellis III. Vision is a life-changing book that you need in your personal library. Get your copy today. Available everywhere books are sold online or at michaelnimmons.com. Get your copy today. Vision Vision. Stay tuned for more motivation, more inspiration, and more empowerment on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked. Refined, rebranded, reinvented, reinvigorated, revived. 
the new michaelnimmons.com website is finally here. And believe me, it's worth the wait. A state-of-the-art website where you can listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show podcast, watch Thinking Out Loud TV, read the Thinking Out Loud blog, purchase books and swag, and so much more. Subscribe today and get a free gift on us. Stop by the new michaelnimmons.com. It is sure to be a thought-provoking experience. Then check out DM Designs. Need flyers, t-shirts, business cards, or a website for your business? Then check out DM Designs. The people at DM Designs will get you right for your next business venture. They're professional and courteous, and they get the job done right every time. Check out the team at DM Designs. Give them a call today at 734-219-5266. DM Designs, bringing your imagination to life. And quick, Mike, just to say that it's a primary responsibility of all of our schools as employers of the teachers and the staff to keep a workplace that's free of known dangers and hazards. COVID-19 is a primary danger and hazard. Um, So the policies that we have in place have to take into account, like what are we doing to make sure we are minimizing potential exposure to to COVID-19 for everyone? And not even, you know, be not, we, we don't even get yet to the, to the students because that's a, that's an entirely different responsibility on behalf of the school, but it's one that's obviously the most paramount, right? We have to keep the students safe, uh, in the midst of whatever's going on with our employee policies. Right. And, and there's a lot that, that goes into that. That being said, uh, you know, when I advise clients, I always say you have to do what's best for your institution, whatever it may be. Uh, but to, to my, my brother, um, Dr. Alexander's, uh, statement a moment ago, um, you know, strongly encouraging vaccinations is what we're seeing primarily. Um, you know, I, I think at David Ellis Academy, that's what we're doing at the moment. Uh, you know, mandatory vaccines are, I think, not only legal, but encouraged in some areas, healthcare, that type of thing. Um, but for the most part, you know, the strong encouragement is probably going to be where most educational institutions land at this point. And there are a number of reasons for that. But, you know, we're striving for, you know, ex- limiting exposure to this. And how mm-hmm. can we do that? And, mm-hmm. and if the school thinks that the most appropriate method of reducing the potential for exposure is to make sure that, you know, everybody gets the vaccine, they should do that. Uh, but there are other policies that we need to take into account, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about those in, later in the discussion. But right. it's it. we have to just keep the main thing, the main thing. How do we keep everybody safe? And and that's that's definitely a good point, and um, I I do agree that that's got to be the paramount uh, approach when it comes to um, you know what what the strategy is in making sure our young people. Uh, return to a safe environment, uh, particularly those that 
you know, in-person learning has, this has been something that our, our young people haven't been in the building, most of them in over a year now. And, and so, uh, we have to make sure that their health, well-being and safety is, is at the highest, uh, and the highest, uh, standard of, of where it should be. Um, and to, 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 uh, Dr. Alexander's point about the, uh, the vaccine itself not being approved and many people not knowing that, I think that's a good point as well. Uh, you know, but I was listening to a show and I think some employers were waiting for that approval so that they could, uh, make those, make the Pfizer vaccine or make vaccines and, in, in, uh, in general mandatory. Uh, we're seeing mandatory vaccinations uh, come up in, in other areas of our society, particularly in the sporting arenas. Uh, we're hearing it now, college football coming back, and uh, and even the professional football in some stadiums and across the country, they're saying in order for you to come into the stadium, you have to be vaccinated, uh, or in order to come on the college campuses, you have to be vaccinated. Um, there was a court case uh, I just saw, Today, uh, an employee at, at Michigan State is now suing university because this, the university is mandating vaccines. And I think there's a couple employees at Western Uni- or Eastern M- Michigan University that are suing as well, or no, student athletes that are suing. Uh, and so what we're seeing is that they're, uh, particularly for, for Aaron, you, you're starting to see cases where they're testing uh, the waters or the legal waters of whether employees, uh, universities, and the like, or wherever, can mandate uh, vaccinations. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's um, it's it's been a a long historical uh, precedent that basically every institution can rely on. That is to say, you can have mandatory vaccinations. They have them in schools now, as you know, they have them as a requirement in many industries as a matter of course. So it's not a new, uh, you know, precedent that, that employers are relying on, right? It goes back to the 1930s, actually 1940s and 50s with the new deal. Mm -hmm. Um, this, this current iteration of that particular issue though, uh, you know, a lot of it is, is, is political, but there is nothing that prevents any institution from mandating the vaccination, right? It's, it's absolutely legal for, you know, any institution to say, if you want to work here, uh, you have to uh, get the vaccination. There are only two primary exceptions to that. The first is, uh, it's a religious exception. And if you have, uh, you know, a religious objection to the vaccination, you should be able to articulate that and express that clearly to your institution. No requirement there. Second, if you have a medical reason why you can't get the vaccination, then under those conditions, yes, you don't have to get it. But with the exception of those two things, you know, you absolutely, if you are an institution of any type, any type of employer, you can make all of your employees get the vaccine, mm. right? Um, and, you know, the question is, you know, whether or not that's practical, whether or not, you know, you can overcome certain of the issues uh, that are inherent in, in requiring people to do things. Um, but you know, you gave some examples like the schools. I don't think they're playing any games with this, right? I'm talking about the universities. You know, they're going to make sure every one of the professors comes in, either gives us an objection that's valid, or they mm-hmm. come in with a vaccine card. Right. Students are the same way now. 
Uh, and there's again, what the goal is, and frankly, what the guiding principle always is with this is that, you know, you have the right and frankly responsibility to keep everyone safe from known hazards and dangers, right? And, and that's what the vaccine policies will allow people to do. So you're going to see some court cases come. I'm sure that discussion will be whether or not there are valid objections from a religious perspective that they articulate with the type of precision that's necessary to meet the standard. Uh, they're going to look at whether or not certain medical objections are valid. I'm certain that there'll be some questions from a factual perspective as to, you know, whether or not someone, because they have a heart condition or, or, or some type of, uh, you know, other medical condition that they are now, uh, you know, free of the responsibility of getting a vaccine. I'm sure you'll see all of that. A lot of folks are going to test it, but I mean, candidly, I think that the law is quite clear on this uh, and institutions can do whatever they want or whatever they feel is necessary for rather to to make sure that they keep their, in our instance, their their staff, their administration and their students safe. Mm. Uh, From a student perspective, I think the it's a different conversation because. You know, year, a couple years ago, the state of Michigan pa- allowed parents to do waivers for immunizations. Before, you know, it was very difficult to get a waiver for immunization. They, it was a requirement. Now we're seeing other diseases pop up because kids are not being immunized. So, you know, this is on top of that as well. So we have to consider all those scenarios. That's a good point as well. And and uh I, I was gonna ask Aaron, when does it when it does when does it become a violation of an individual's rights for an employer to mandate vaccinations? I'm I'm sure the AFL CIO uh or, or the American Civil Liberties Union um is looking into uh you know this very carefully because you know, now that again, the, the government is backing, uh, a approved, uh, uh, vaccine, vaccine employers, you know, you might start to see more of these mandatory vaccinations, uh, come up. So when does it become? Is it just religious, um, uh, religion or medical condition or is it uh, more to it than that? It's really, it's really that simple, Mike, actually. I mean, you can't, you can't have a number of uh, exceptions to these safety-related rules. Uh, otherwise, they don't have any teeth. To Kenya's point, uh, you know, when they allow for waivers for, you know, the MMR, you know, the other types of, you know, uh, you know, various types of vaccination that you get for for your children early on, we saw immediately once we had all of these exceptions that the that the diseases we were trying to prevent they begin to reappear, uh, like measles, things like that, that haven't been around for, you know, generations are now here. Um, so I'd say this to your point though, the, the law is still quite clear. There's, there is very little that one can do. You can, you can either get it done, the vaccination, or you could, you could find another job, right? Um, and that's essentially what it is. You have your exceptions, right? Uh, and if you have a valid medical exception, if you have a valid religious exception, uh, you know, the, the school, the institution has a responsibility to honor that, right? And failure to honor that will inevitably lead to a discrimination claim, usually a very successful one, uh, if, if, if you had a valid religious or medical exception. Uh, but in the absence of one of those two, 
you know, again, it's very little that an employee can do. An employee has to just do what the, what the institution is going to require of them. Um, you know, again, most institutions, I don't think, at least not right now, uh, are requiring, at least at this level, strongly encouraging it is what we're seeing. Um, but, you know, there is, there is going to be, I think, moving forward, uh, especially at the university level, mandatory requirements that are going to be very, very difficult to navigate around. You're going to have to just accept, you know, the vaccine, the vaccine requirement and then move on from there. Wow. Wow. You know, uh, it's really um, most of the excuses that I find uh, are not related to religion, um, but political. And mm. uh, uh, probably, I don't know what's higher. Is it the um, conspiracy theories or is it politics? Um, the non-trust of America is extremely high at this time. Um, and uh, I can't blame it all on uh, 46 minus one. I can't blame it all on him. Um, it, it's, uh, it's, it's other stuff that's conspiracy theories. I mean, it's just wild. Uh, the things that I've heard um, that uh, if you get the shot, if you get the vaccine, uh, you'll, you're going to be tethered. Um, you get the vaccine they're They're implant. They're putting something under your skin. Um, and I'm like, I can't live in that kind of, I mean, the pandemic is one fear, but to live in the fear of afraid of America, like a movie, like the invasion of the body snatchers, uh, that probably ages me a little bit, but <laughs> I refuse to live in that kind of fear because are you living? Mm. You know, and so um I think a lot of people uh, have a, a high non-trust for the government um, for whatever reason, because this is, keep in mind, this is not the first time we've had, um, a, a vaccines created for reasons to prevent. Um, and, and I, I bet everybody on here got vaccinated as a child before you were able to go to school. Yeah. And so now all of a sudden, a 90% vaccine and keep in mind, some of those vaccines we took as children were, did not have that high percentage of preventive maintenance. But now that we have some vaccines with a high percentage science, <laughs> which we teach in school, <laughs> they don't believe it, which some of our teachers are teaching science and then won't get, won't get the vaccination. I mean, it's, it's just. I could never explain the reason why mm. I, couldn't. I couldn't. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. And to fight it, you know, it's to possibly lose employees, which may happen. Um, but like I said, this is an employee's market. And so um, the best thing to do is to work with them to continue to show evidence that it works, that it's good for the whole, not just for one person. So that's what this really is about, is how selfish are you? Because it's not about you. It's about us. It's not about you. Right. It's about us. It can't, I mean, and, and I think it's some selfish things going on there. Um, and the conspiracy is just politics may, is part of it. That has helped. But the things that I've heard 
have uh, those some of those conspiracy theories have nothing to do with politics. Maybe maybe some people in those politics put it out there. Maybe maybe, but it's just wild. So, but we got to encourage. We got to support. We got love. A lot of people's love bank is bankrupt. So mm-hmm. we got to love and right. we got to help provide. We got to and, and that's and, and in the service learning district. That's part of what we do is we embrace and we love and we help and we support constantly. And from that, I mean, we've had people leave us and come back because they know one thing you're going to get in the service learning district is we're going to service you. We're going to love you because service is part of what we do. You're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with Pastor Michael Nimmons. Don't you dare touch that dial. Author and professor, Dr. Peniel Joseph. You don't have to be Team Malcolm or Team Martin. I think you should be both. You know, so I think the black community needs both. I think that King is much more revolutionary and radical than the public perceives him to be. And I think Malcolm is is a much more um, brilliant and and, and um, courageous individual who can be radically pragmatic and revolutionarily pragmatic to save black lives while trying to defeat white supremacy than people give him credit for. So um, that's why I try to show Malcolm is absolutely this prosecuting attorney, but he's also a black America statesman, too. He's going to the Middle East. He's going to Africa. Um, he's schooling the young Cassius Clay before he's Muhammad Ali on what Africa means, you know, what his identity means. So I think I put them together because I thought there was much more convergence than divergence. And I think when you frame them the other way, you hurt um, understanding of the movement. We bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were insufficient? Who told you that you were a loser? Who told you that you were a failure? Who told you that you were deficient? Who told you that you were nothing? Who told you that you were worthless? Who told you that you had no value? Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were naked? It's a dynamic, empowering, and inspiring book about identity that is a definite must-have. Pastor Nimmons talks about an identity crisis that dates as far back as the Garden of Eden. You don't want to miss these powerful insights into not just the problem of this identity crisis, but the discovery of the spiritual solution. Get your copy now, available on Amazon for just $14.95 or by visiting michaelnemons.com. Like a victim when you are already victorious. Oh, 
Hey, what's cracking, Planet Earth? It's your boy Griff, comedian, author, motivational speaker, entrepreneur, philanthropist, but a Jesus Christ lover. You understand me? And you're listening to Thinking Out Loud Radio with my homeboy, Michael Nemitz. Check him out right here. Go ahead, Mike. Give him that good, good. The Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you. It's time, 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 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. stood at the steps of the Lincoln Memorial and delivered his famous I Have a Dream speech. 58 years later, Dr. Reverend Al Sharpton and many other leaders converged on Washington, D.C. for the March for Voting Rights. I want to share with you some of the sights and sounds of this powerful march that took place on August 28, 2021. Take a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, kings and queens, right here in the nation's capital and watching around the globe. This is such a significant day in the continental United States, and this is why we are here. March on for voting rights. Can we say that one more time? March on for voting rights. All right. Now, this is somebody really dynamic. We're going to do it one more game. One of our nation's youngest leaders. Ty, Ty Leek. He's a recent graduate of North Carolina A&T State University. Okay. And a member of Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity, Inc. In his current capacity at National Action Network, he helped move the organization from demonstrate to legislation. Ty Leek hopes to inspire other young people to make being involved with policy. The new norm, not just an exception. Tyleek McMillan, National Director of Youth and College, National Action Network. Can we hear it for this young man? No justice. No justice. I said no justice. I come by to let you know that democracy is under attack. I said democracy is under attack. I'm gonna take you to church if you let me look at your neighbor and tell them democracy is under attack. In light of what we're seeing across the country and just around the corner at the Supreme Court, we saw a decision which further gutted the Voting Rights Act. At this moment, we need to escalate where we are because we cannot afford to stand still with where we are. We cannot afford not to have legislation to answer what is clearly not only a legislative but a judicial leaning of not only voter suppression, but voter suspension. Oh, you heard me right, I don't know about you, but I can't seem to understand the limit to early voting. 
I can't seem to understand the need for more than one ID. I can't seem to understand the removal of drop boxes and partisan control. I can't seem to understand the over 700,000 residents of Washington, D.C. not having their voice counted in Congress. So family, I'm clear. I'm clear in this work. I'm clear that Mega Evers was not murdered on his lawn in front of his children, in front of his wife by the Klansmen, so we can hold positions and be in charge. I'm clear that Fannie Lou Hamer didn't say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Martin Luther King was not jailed in Alabama and knifed in his chest and shot down on a balcony in cold blood on a balcony in Memphis so we can bury our heads today and seek position and not power. Is on the line and this young lady represents that, that generation. It's a family affair when it comes to the uh, Sharptons. They are all committed She's an activist, a community organizer, entertainment, media, entrepreneur, podcast host, social media manager, and the youngest daughter of Reverend Al Sharpton and Dr. Kathy Jordan Sharpton. And she currently serves as the director of the National Action Network youth huddle. Put your hands together for Ashley Sharpton. And so what people like Reverend Sharpton and other activists did to raise awareness and fight for civil rights, the definition became more and more clear. No justice, no peace meant we will not stop, we will not rest until there is justice for all. There is no shortage of challenges and problems in front of us today. For my generation and for those who are even younger, if you ever wish that you were alive for the fight for civil rights in the 1960s, well, your time is now. Everything that our parents, grandparents, and ancestors fought for, many even gave their lives for, is on the line. And one of the most significant rights under attack is our basic fundamental right to vote. They are trying to tell you and I that we cannot vote. They are trying to tell us that we should not vote. They are openly telling us that they will try everything to stop us from voting. And they are showing us all that they understand and fear the power of our vote. If your voice and your vote didn't matter so much, they would not be trying so hard to undermine it. Right now, there's nearly 400 bills in 48 states being pushed that will suppress the right to vote. This follows years of other rep repressive laws as well as the Supreme Court gutting the Voting Rights Act itself in 2013. This is why we at the National Action Network and many others in the civil rights community have been fighting so hard for the passage of the For the People Act and the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. It is inexcusable that both have stalled and have not been enacted to law. We must have federal protections when so many states and localities are actively working to undermine our ability to vote. Too many think that young folks don't care. Too many falsely believe that we aren't engaged. Too many count us out and they don't think we're involved. But is that us? No. We understand that this is our future. This is our future that's in jeopardy. We understand that when voting rights are under attack, we stand up and fight back. We understand that when one group is oppressed, we are all held back. And we know that none of us are free until all of us are free. I spent most of my adult life fighting for equality for women, communities of color, the LGBTQIA community, and young people. Centering their voices and their concerns are the key to any movement forward. It's why I started Nan's Youth Huddle in 2013. 
is an inclusive space for the young leaders of today and tomorrow the huddle, that the huddle could carries the torch from our elders into the battles before us now. That's the faces that you see standing behind me and many that you see gathered here today. Well, oh, sorry. Dr. In King said freedom is I knew he was the best man I've ever met. The man who has done work on all continents, we counted him up except for Antarctica, and, this, and who always does what's right when no one understands. And even through that, he carves out time in his schedule every day to make sure that he takes our daughter to school 30 minutes one way and 30 minutes back and bring me roses once a week. So uh, Martin Luther King III. and mostly black and brown people in this city of Washington, D.C. Vote for president, but don't give them voting representation in Congress. Seems to me that's taxation without representation. That has to change. Washington must become the 51st state. This is a moment of profound danger. In a matter of weeks, state legislatures will redraw the lines of congressional districts and they will gerrymand us into further oppression if we don't act and through the power of public outrage force them to act but we can do this because when people like you black brown indigenous asian and white come together to do what is right we are a force of nature this is a battlefield of morals and you are armed with the truth and the truth is a flame you cannot extinguish. People have done it before and will do it again. We will demand federal voting rights until we have them. So don't give up. Don't give in. Don't give out. You are the dream and this is our moment to make it true. Some may ask how long will it be? Well, I, I don't know. I remember my father saying how long? Not long. Why? Because the moral arc of the universe is long with bends toward justice. How long? Not long. Why? Because truth fell on the scaffold. Wrong fell on the throne. Yet that scaffold sways the future. And behind the dim unknown stand of God, keeping watch above his own. How long? Not long. Because no lie can live forever. How long? Not long. Because God Almighty is still on the throne. Thank you and God bless you. Without further ado, he is one of the most prominent activists leading this country. The man who is not afraid to speak up for the voiceless and stand firm on his beliefs. Please welcome the president and founder of National Action Network, the Reverend Dr. Al Sharpton. And let's act like we got good sense. Let me say this in closing my statement. I heard Martin tell the story about his father and his father saying we had to go down south and get Lyndon Johnson some power. But I thought of another story Martin told me that I've used the last couple of weeks. Martin told me that there was this class that was an English class and there was this young student that was an expert student, honor student. And they got to the end of the semester and the teacher said, I have one more assignment. I want everybody to write an essay of their pet at home. The honor student kind of shrugged his shoulders. That was easy for him. They went home over the weekend, 
he sat down and worked out his prose and his poetry. They came in Monday morning, put the papers down on the teacher's desk. She's going to grade them at lunchtime and give them their papers back at the end of the day. At the end of the day, she came out, gave everybody their papers, got to him, gave him his paper. Everybody looked at their grades and was walking out. He was sitting there in shock because for the first time that semester, he got an F on his paper. He never got anything lower than an A minus, but he got an F and he could hardly move. He was so shocked. He finally got up and he walked to the front of the class as the other students had left. And he said, uh, can I speak to you a minute, teacher? She said, sure. He said, I, I don't understand how you graded my paper. I always got A's. I've been your best student. And I worked all weekend on my essay. I put in the right prose. I used the right poetic references. She said, oh no, it was well written. He said, and why did you fail me? She looked at him and kind of smiled. She said, the problem you got is not that the paper wasn't well written. Not that you didn't have the right prose and poetry. Problem you have is three years ago, I had your brother. And your brother wrote an essay just like this. This time the young man had to smile and kind of smiled at her. He said, oh, Miss Teacher, you, you got it mistaken. You think I'm a plagiarist. You think that I just copied off my brother. He said, the problem is not that I'm a plagiarist. The problem is that my brother and I had the same dog. And we wrote about the same doggish ways. I come to Washington recounting what Martin just gave the history to tell you that the same doggish ways that they had in the 1860s, the same doggish ways they had in 1924, the same doggish ways they had in 1942, the same doggish ways we had to fight Strom Thurmond and had to fight Talmadge. We in Washington, you may have on a suit and tie, but we fight the same dogs. We know who you are, cause our older brothers and sisters and our mothers and fathers dealt with you and we gonna deal with you the same way. Up you mighty race, stand up and fight back. Don't you get tired, don't you get weary. We can win, we always won if we kept God on our side. Thank you and God bless you. Enjoyed this week's thought of the week coming from the 58th anniversary of the March on Washington. I guarantee you guys this was a powerful event and one that you definitely did not want to miss. 
Again, want to send a special, special shout out to all of the educators and administrators that were on the call with us uh, in part one of our back to school virtual community forum that we had and we share with you during this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We hope you will tune in next week. We're going to give you part two of this forum that we had. And I thank them so much for being a part of it. You made the form very special. And I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in this week to this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Your support of our show helps to make the difference, and we thank you so very much. Be sure to tune in next week. We're going to have another great show in store for you. Also, remember, we're going to be on the after show live on Instagram, talking about the podcast and uh, talking about uh, the Obama's absence from this very important 58th anniversary march for voting rights. I want to talk a little bit about that and get your thoughts on their absence as well. Well, guys, that's our show for this week. Thank you for tuning in. We truly appreciate it. And before we get out of here, always remember, if you think it, you can believe it. If you can believe it, you can see it. If you can see it, you can be it. If you can be it, you can achieve it. The power rests within you. The mind is the most powerful muscle in your body. Use what you got to get what you want. The power is in you. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio and TV show. Thank you for listening and thank you for watching. Thank you for tuning in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. To get more info about the show and the ministry, visit michaelnemons.com. Want to book radio host Michael Nemons for your next special event? Send an email to contact at michaelnemons.com. Tune in every Tuesday at 8 p.m. for the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you.